Well, good morning, and welcome back to this edition of the Freed Way Thinker podcast. I'm your host and chauffeur for this episode, Tyler Vela. Uh, I wanted to talk really quickly about something that has come up. Um, it, it's not a huge thing, but it comes up somewhat regularly in discussions, a lot of in-house discussions, actually, uh, with, with believers. A lot of times you'll get discussions with... Um, you know, independent fundamentalist Baptists about something like this, but it does come up even in outside of those circles, even in reform circles, it'll come up. And that is this idea that somehow uh, the Bible trumps philosophy, um, that, that, that we don't need philosophy um, to help us understand what the Bible says. Now, in one way, I'm going to affirm that. Um, I'm going to say that that is absolutely the case. So I, I want to be sympathetic when people say that and, and ask them, well, what do you mean when you say that? Because in one sense, we want to make sure that when we're talking about philosophy, we know what we mean, right? That's a good philosophical discipline to do is to make sure we know what we're even talking about, to disambiguate tom- concepts and clarify terms. In that in that sense where they're saying we, we, don't, we don't want to interpret the Bible by a philosophy, they mean something like a philosophical system, right? So we're trying to avoid things like a feminist hermeneutic um, or something along those lines, or, or, or we don't want to come and say, okay, well, the Bible um, has to cohere or has to submit to, um, you know, a, a, a communistic ideology, right? Or, or something like that. We, we understand that our, our overall worldview that we come and we understand the Bible has to be understood by the Bible itself. It has to it has to be informed and it has to be guided and it has to be kind of within the 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 boundaries of what scripture teaches. However, that's where a problem rises. Right? It's a problem of a chicken and an egg type of thing. Think about it when we come to the question of the freedom of the will. This comes up all the time when we're dealing, when, when you know, I'm, I'm a Reformed Calvinist, as all of you know by now. Um, this comes up all the time in conversations with people who aren't that. And I'm not going to hear actually say that, therefore, my view is better or their view is wrong or something like that. I think we both do it. Your understanding of the freedom of the will and what free will actually means and what what is required for free will to exist. Guess what? The Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible doesn't tell us that in order for someone to have moral responsibility, for example, um, you need to have categorical ability of the will. Or, well, you only need to have conditional ability of the will. Or you need to have the ability of contracausal choice. Or you have to have some type of true principle of, of alternative possibilities. Right? The Bible doesn't actually tell us those types of conceptual constraints of what makes someone free. What the Bible does is it limits the types of options that we have. Right, So we go to the scriptures and we see, oh, well, people are making choices. Oh, people are held morally responsible. Okay, but it doesn't work out the philosophical system for that. It doesn't give us the, the, the type of metaphysical underpinnings for that, the epistemological underpinnings for that. It doesn't work it out for us. What it does is it says, okay, any view, such as hard determinism, I think, 
that says, well, we don't actually make any any choices has to be false. We clearly, the, 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 the Bible clearly shows people making choices where the outcome matters. The Bible also clearly shows that we are morally responsible agents. That th- those are clearly true. But it also has passages where it clearly shows that God is determining all things, that God is working all things together for the good of uh, those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that, that God had, had, had destined whatever uh, they had put their hand to do, which was namely to crucify Christ, that whatever the, the brothers had meant to do, uh, <clears throat> had, had meant it for evil, God meant it in the same way for good. Um, and if you consider, and if you, and if you just simply do a little bit of uh, a reflection on what that entails, there, there are there are millions and billions of, of free will decisions that have to be just so in order for those to be true, right? So we 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 very clearly can see, I think, that something like hard determinism is clearly false, but something like libertarian freedom is also clearly false. So, but it doesn't tell us; it doesn't work out the system for us. Right within there, and the libertarian freedom might, you know, a free will advocate might come back and say, okay, well, I, I disagree that it clearly shows that libertarian freedom is false because God might predestine or predetermine some things, but it doesn't mean that He's predetermining our free will decisions. Fair enough. We disagree on the implications, but the point is, is that it doesn't give us a system. It doesn't work it out like that. So what is that? What does that mean? We want to say that the Bible doesn't. Uh, the Bible doesn't isn't submissive to our to our philosophical systems, but at the same time, in order for us to read it consistently, we have to come to it with some kind of system, and we want it to be biblically informed. And that biblically informed system is going to help us understand other passages that might not be as clear, right? Or or we're going to understand we we think the majority of the text point towards towards one type of system, and so we're going to affirm that. And we're not going to just completely abandon it when we come to one verse that that is challenging for it, unless it's so strong that it shows that it directly refutes it. And there's no there's no possible way to, that they can possibly cohere. So there's a chicken and an egg thing between philosophical concepts, philosophical systems, and the Bible that we should be aware of. The other main problem that I have, though, however, with with the saying that you know we don't we don't need philosophy, we just read the Bible. Is that the a major part of major disciplines within philosophy uh, are things like the laws of logic, simple reasoning, which and, and both of these guide reading comprehension. Things like hermeneutics and exegesis, things like the law of non-contradiction, the principle of identity, and the law of excluded middle. Right? We we these are necessary. These are necessary conditions for which are needed for us to do any type of uh, any type of reading of any text. This isn't just the Bible, this is any text. Right? So so when we come to what is what does the Bible even say? Well, I just read my Bible. Great. I'm glad you read your Bible, but in the act of reading, you are attempting to be as reasonable as as possible. Now we might disagree on what conclusions are reasonable and what are good inferences and things like that, but at least you're trying. You're not in there being like, oh, well, I don't really, you know, it, it, you know, it says that Jesus is the only, you know, the, the way, the truth, and the life, but that means that he's not the way, the truth, and the life because contradictions. I don't care about contradictions. No, you're coming to the scriptures with 
philosophical concepts in view, in mind, with with logical rules of constraint, with with rules of inference, with good hermeneutics, with with trying to understand the Bible in a consistent way that is consistent with itself. Well, that only is possible if we're doing good philosophy, right? If we have a good, consistent epistemology in place. It's unavoidable. So my concern is that anytime someone says, well, well, I just read the Bible, I don't need philosophy, what they're actually telling me is that they're entirely um, un-self-aware, that they, that they have no self-awareness about what actually they are doing when they read the Bible. And it, and it tells me that these people are probably some of the most inconsistent um, they, they're, they're likely, and in a lot of cases it bears this out, they're likely the ones that don't have a good hermeneutic, that, that aren't reading the Bible consistently, that are, that are throwing off the shackles uh, of, of logical consistency in many ways. Um, so I, I, I want to push back when, when, when my, my, my fellow Christians here, when you, when you all are saying things like, I just read the Bible. I don't need philosophy. In in one sense, I'm sympathetic to you, although there is the chicken and the egg problem that comes from that. But in another sense, you got to stop saying stuff like that because we absolutely do philosophy when we read the Bible. Everybody does by necessity. You have to, to, in order to do good hermeneutics. If you want to do good hermeneutics, you need to understand what you're doing reasonably, rationally, logically, um, and so on. Right? This, this comes up a lot in my conversations with Lutherans. Right? And, and by the way, um, I have no problem with Lutherans' appeal to paradox. I don't. I don't. I. I think there are certain paradoxical statements. However, that doesn't mean that a contradiction is a paradox, right? Um, there, there are very clearly sometimes rules, um, uh, rhetorical devices that rely on paradox that are kind of superficially contradictory, uh, but clearly aren't. When you, when you actually get to the meaning of what's being conveyed, it might be a hyperbole. Um, that, that contradiction with something else, but it's a hyperbole. It's meant to. It's meant to be shocking. It's meant, it's meant to throw a wrench in the system um, in, order, in order to do something like that. That's not the same thing as a flat-out contradiction. Um, and also, when, when you're, if you want to say, well, you know, that, that's, that's worldly logic. We don't, we don't, you, we don't you know, follow the whore of reason type of thing. But then you want to press a Calvinist or a non-Calvinist, or an Arminian, right? If you want to press them and say, okay, well then show me how these doctrines of yours are logically consistent. And you wouldn't ever allow us to say, oh, well, it's just a paradox. And 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 kind of wave the paradox wand over it. Um, then then you should be more self-aware when you're doing that as, as well. And I'm not saying all Lutherans do this. Um, there, there are some very, there are some very solid Lutherans. Um, but I, but I think a lot um, use the the paradox trapdoor to try to, to try to escape um, being pushed into into theological consistency. So uh, please be aware when we're having these conversations with people um, how we're using the term philosophy, what we mean by philosophy, and be self-aware. If this is the first time you're hearing this, 
post on the post on the free thinker message board contact me contact some others start reading uh some good some good hermeneutics books and some some philosophy of hermeneutics and 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 so forth be aware be self be self-aware of how your own worldview um not just your broad theistic worldview how have you worked out things like freedom of the will um how that is not only impacted by scripture but how some things that might not be impacted from scripture some assumptions you might be making you're bringing back into the scripture right now it might be consistent with the scripture i'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing but just be aware that they exist so when someone starts attacking those when someone starts critiquing those or questioning those you're not thrown into a tizzy and saying, oh, well, I don't, I don't need philosophy. I don't need to, re-, you know, I, I just I just read the Bible. And that's just what the Bible says. It says, it says choice, therefore it has to mean libertarian freedom because that's just what choice is. I, all you're doing is question begging your, your libertarian uh, free will position that that's the only thing that can be a choice, which just isn't the case. You're doing philosophy at that point and you're, and you're doing it poorly, whether you like it or not. So thank you again for listening. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, commendations, or condemnations, feel free to contact me at freedthinkerpodcast at gmail.com, freedthinkerpodcast.blogspot.com, or come on by the Freed Thinker group page on Facebook. God bless and drive safe.